This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. To hell and back is in the job description. Being roughed up, scuffed up, run over, kicked, thrown, dropped, dunked, and done the unthinkable is a duty we've embraced for more than 40 years. Through superior engineering and constant innovation, only Pelican has conquered the chaos a life of ambition can dish out. And we've done it to empower you. Yak Gadget, made in America, based outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Yak Gadget offers all kinds of storage accessories, quick mount motor mounts, anchor systems, track mounted accessories, even paddles. Go to yakgadget.com and get your kayak decked out for your next trip out on the water. The 153 Bay Company, based in Troy, Ohio, make everything from plastics to custom painted hard baits. Hook them hard and hook them off. All of our baits are made to order and all of our hard baits are hand painted to order. So go to the153anglers.com to place your order today. Welcome to the Feather and Fur segment on the Paddle and Fin Podcast Network. Join me, Brad Hurlebus, as we sit around the campfire with this week's special guest to talk hunting, dogs, traditions, and all things outdoors. Welcome back, Feather and Fur fans. This is going to be part two of our episode with Leanne, so we're not going to do many introductions. We're just going to get right to it and bring her right in. Hello, Hello. Leanne. Hello. Welcome back. Thank you. Did you do anything exciting in the past? I don't know. Was that like nine days, seven days? Oh, you know, just been looking for a little 22 Long range rifle, um, spent a lot of time online trying to find this little 22 that I've been looking for. And interestingly enough, I found a needle in a haystack up in Reedsburg, Wisconsin. So 
New gun day is one of the, it's like a new boat day, new kayak day. New, there's something special about new gun day. So I'm assuming you had to have gotten to the range already. Yes, we did. And I love this little gun. It's so much fun. Um, I ended up buying an American Ruger, a wooden satin finish. And it's amazing how many people, um, when it comes to 22s, they don't want, maybe they don't want the synthetic or they just love the nostalgia behind that wooden stock. But I happen to be passionate for that as well. So got out, shot some rounds at a 50 yard target without a scope. So that was pretty fun. Um, Very nice. Open sights at 50 yards. I mean, that can definitely be a challenge. Um, I know I don't do it anymore just because, well, I can, I will. Was I did with my 30-30 lever action and I do have an open sight, just a standard irons on a 22 as well. But these days I'm just grabbing for a scoped rifle. I'm just, I, don't, I wouldn't say I'm lazy. It's just, I don't know. I'm almost 40 and I can, I know my eyes have deteriorated since I was in my teens and early twenties. Yeah. Well, you know, my whole hatred towards scopes and everything like that. So I happen to really like open sights, but I'm nearing 40 and I can honestly tell you that scopes are in my future. I did just pick up a little <laughs> scope for the 22 and uh, it's one of those things that I just have to get comfortable with. I think once you get used to it, you'll enjoy it. It'll just, I think it's going to make, we cited in your deer slayer. I mean, that thing's a beast. Mm -hmm. And I think as you start moving towards scopes, I think you're going to find it just gets a little easier. It takes a little complication out of hunting and you can focus more on, you can focus more on that trigger control and your sight picture like is less of a thought process at that point. Yeah, exactly. And I think with more practice with the 22, I'll just get more comfortable with it. There's just something about the simplicity of shotguns and things like that with open sights. They're just... I've always been in situations where it was instant and you didn't have much time to follow an animal in the sights. Sure. So I just always went with what I was confident and successful with. Um, but as you hunt different areas and things like that, scopes come into play and you have a lot more time when you're sitting over 200 yards of cornfield. That's just it too. I mean, you have so many different areas you can hunt in Wisconsin. I mean, I know you've hunt them Northwood swamps before, not anymore. Cause you don't like being, you're not a fan of waist deep in the muck, but I still hunt swamp edges quite a bit. And you're looking at most shots are bow range. And for that, I, I do prefer an open, an open sight rifle or a rifle with just a red dot, very quick, very quick sight picture style type of shooting. But some of my other stands, I can see three to 500 yards. And now I'm not taking a shot that far, but I can easily, there's plenty of deer paths within 100, 150 yards that I feel extremely confident taking a shot at those ranges because I practice to 200 quite often that at 150 yards, I'm not trying to that with open sights. I mean, right. I don't feel like that's even, I don't feel that's ethical anymore for my shooting capabilities. Well, and it just limits you, you know, that's, it seemed like this past year, I had a lot of, a lot more opportunities, but they were so far away that I just, I couldn't take an ethical shot with it. So sure, it's time to up my game a little bit and purchase a Vortex and just be done with it. 
But see, that's the great thing, though, because depending on, I mean, it's like there's no perfect kayak, there's no perfect boat, there's no perfect anything for every situation. All you can do is give yourself the best opportunity possible. So that shotgun can very well still play a role. Whereas if we do deer camp, which we've been talking about doing, and we find this great little spot for you, but you have a 50 yard shot at max on a handful of trails that come in, but that looks like where you want to hunt. Well, that shotgun's just where to be. But right. if you set you up on top of a on top of a ridge and you can see a hundred yards down into a swamp through the ridge or the pine clearing, well then you're gonna want that scoped rifle. Yeah. Sorry, but Gordy Boy gets a little jealous when mom gets home from work and can't <laughs> spend enough time with them. So Well, puppy dogs deserve here. laps. Puppy yeah. dogs deserve laps. I mean, if, if you're not, if you're just listening, Leanne's got her boxer on her lap. He wanted to join the show. He's being very quiet, though. I think he's camera and microphone shy. Well, you see, Gordy goes everywhere with me. He goes mushroom hunting. He goes in the kayak. He goes fishing. You name it. He's right along there. So why not be part of the interview tonight, right? Oh, this isn't an interview. This is Look far from this. an interview. Look at this guy. <laughs> He's awfully cute for a short-snouted dog. I've had boxers. I can call them short-snouted. Yeah. Little drool machines is what they are. Yeah. He's getting pretty excited for morel hunting coming up here. Um, he's been outside with mom checking the soil temperatures <laughs> because we totally geek out about hunting for morels. See, that is something I know nothing about other than when I'm out doing the little bit of spring scouting for turkey I do because I'm not a passionate turkey hunter either. Um, I'll just keep an eye on the ground for for morales. But other than that, I mean, that is not what I do. But that's something you're pretty you're, – you do a lot of that, don't you? Yeah, it's kind of the thrill of the chase. I mean, I like to eat them, but so just a cute little factoid about me. Um, even though I love the outdoors and hunting and fishing and anything in between, I am deathly afraid of freaking spiders. Like, oh, I scream like a girl when I see them. I used to duct tape my floorboards in my bedroom as a kid because I didn't want any centipedes crawling through them. So sometimes when I'm cleaning my morel mushrooms that I find, um, there'll be a little slug or something in it, and it just mortifies me. <laughs> so I kind of, I find them and I keep them, but I give them away to a lot of people. Sure. It's just um, it's just about being able to kind of look at the geography and what, what's going on with the temperature and just the weather in general. And using those skills to see if I can find any. Um, and how long have you been doing that? That's somewhat, this somewhat relatively new, right? It's a new addiction for me. It's only been a couple years. Um, just, you know, I'm outside looking for sheds or looking for new hunting grounds anyways, looking for woodcock habitat, you name it. So I might as well be out there doing something while I'm there. Uh, sure. I love to exercise if it means I'm looking for something. Sure. Like, not one to just walk around the block. I absolutely think that is so boring. But if you get me out in the woods, I'll put on 10 miles. Because it's just way more interesting to just be out there and see everything there is to see, especially with 
the seasons and everything coming alive. It's just so neat to see the transformation that occurs. Well, absolutely. That and you're there for a reason. Like you have a mission, like you're either scouting or you're shed hunting or for you, you're trying to find these little weird looking mushroom things that are all like they're weird looking. I'm telling, like, I don't know. I think, I think they look weird with all their little nooks and crannies and yeah. Yeah. I mean, they are tasty. They are very, very tasty. They are. They're super rich, but people just, I mean, it's nothing to get 20 or 30 bucks a pound for them. And like I said, it's, you're kind of killing three birds with one stone. Like you're ruling out different types of hunting habitat, all these other things that you're, and you're getting exercise, the dogs getting out there. Sure. Uh, you know, besides the fact, sometimes you do find very awkward things out in the woods when you're, you know, you get your nose to the ground. Like last year, I found a good batch of heroin needles. Um, oh, real nice, real nice. Yeah. But I did learn never to mention some of the things you find on like certain forums because it just causes a World War Three out there. And should you pick them up? Should you not? And you know. Oh sure. Just. So I'll be I'm, honest. I'm all for cleaning up the woods. Don't get me wrong. I am pretty sure I'm going to draw the line at cleaning up heroin needles, though. Right. I mean, I'm all for it. Don't get me wrong. But, man, cleaning up heroin needles, that's another thing completely. Yeah, it is. But then I think about, oh, my gosh, what if some little kid comes over here? And, I know. You know, so you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. and. Most of the time, I find actually really awesome and cool stuff. It's just every once in a while you come across something you don't want to see. But Sure. So that's mushroom hunting, and it should start uh, usually mid-April. Um, first this, couple weeks in May are pretty good. You think the snowfall we just got the past yesterday, or was that, that was yesterday, is going to push this back a little bit, or? No, I don't think it had enough time to thaw enough. That thermal frost is all, you know, that line is sure. still pretty deep. So, um, and if anything, you know, the moisture will help too. Uh, we had enough snow down here, but in some parts of the state, they could have used a little bit of that. So, no, it, it should be okay. It, when it, ha it happens when, when they're already starting to sprout, that's when it really is a killer. Sure, you don't want that frost, just like with plants at that point, like any type of flowering plants outside. That makes sense. Right. So, yeah, you know, if other if people are looking for ways to find these mushrooms, it's there's so many things to Google online, but really the trick is dead elm trees and, you know, just finding them right when they recently died usually is the best time. But I've had really good luck finding them under apple trees as well. So um, it's just kind of, it's weird. It depends on the soil type. Sometimes like up in Adams County where it's more sandy soil, you kind of find them under conifer and pine trees. It's just- Interesting. Yeah, it's, it's weird. I've even had them sprout up in my mulch garden, basically in my front yard. Okay, that actually brings up a question I thought about. Have you ever thought of doing a mushroom log out back at your house? Oh, like where you pour the spores out? Kind yeah, of thing? yeah. Well, I do pour the spores out, but I haven't had any success growing anything. I'm not um 
Well, I, I know, don't really like gardens. <laughs> well, I know some people will actually take rotten logs and intentionally, like, I believe they even drilled like bore holes into them to make like these mushroom logs out of them. Yeah, well, there's that thing about being really petrified of like millipedes and centipedes and maggoty looking things, or not maggots, because I can handle them for fishing. But no, moist logs is like the perfect <laughs> combination for freaking bugs you don't want around you. I won't even have plant. I won't even have a plant in the house because I'm afraid there'll be one in the soil. Noted. I feel like you need a cat or something that chases bugs. Yeah. yeah that's a, a no. That's a no. There's no going to be no cat at Leanne's house. Isn't it weird, though, that I can hunt and camp? Like, if I'm outside, like, you know, you climb up a tree stand and you're sitting there. You you get, like, slugs and crap on you sometimes. Right. You can't really jump out of a tree stand and survive, so you kind of have to deal with it. But outside, I'm pretty good. So is this why you don't duck hunt? Like, is this why you don't duck hunt, really? Is this the real reason? Because when you're going through the marsh, I cannot tell you how many spiders fall off the cattails and reeds into your boat as you cruise through. Yep. See, exactly. We're never going duck hunting together. <laughs> I'm going to have to take – that's well, – we'll go a little bit sideways. We will take you duck hunting your first time out on Lake Michigan. We'll go sit in layout boats and we'll hunt divers. There's no chance of spiders out there. Okay, well, maybe. Or no, there's no chance of any. Do you get seasick though? No. Well, all right, see, you you got one thing up on me because I'll be so drama meaned up. I'll be sitting there with like drool coming out of my mouth, like. Bleh. So that'll be your excuse when I hit more birds than you. <laughs> I'll just be like, "Wait, are we shooting? Like, do I need to wake up now? Are those bluebills or are those seagulls?" <laughs> exactly. So. So that's the that's the next you know season kind of coming up here, and I did draw a turkey tag, so I have that for like the last week of April, first week of May. So is, what is that three, or is that that's got to be like three or four then? Hey. Oh, I don't even know. I think I'm in season. I'm either in week one or week two. I chose a really really early one this year. <laughs> I'm zone one, time period B. It says. I think I'm. I think I'm zone three B. I believe. I don't think I'm A. I think I chose B. Sure. So we'll be hunting at the same time then, just different areas. Great. Are you going to come out and practice the call for me, since I'm so good at that? I am not. I can operate a box call well enough to bring a turkey in, but I am far from a good turkey hunter. I actually. I really don't enjoy turkey hunting. No. It comes back to some really old school memories of mine. So the first time I ever truly went turkey hunting, I went with my ex-father-in-law and his brother up in Portage at their parents' land. And we both successfully harvest birds. It was awesome. Like, it was great. But I came home to an awkward discussion with my wife, which led to a divorce and that. And that was pretty much the point on when we said we're getting divorced. So I've always just had this weird feeling. Every time I go turkey hunting, it's like, man, I still am not over that. Like, I'm not over, like, that whole situation that went down. So it's like, do I really want to sit out? Like, I either have – I think I just have to get to the point where I can focus enough on it, become successful at it, 
So I have new memories made of it. Cause right now sure. it's me sitting there trying to find a bird. And then it's like, I'm not successful because I'm not really putting my heart into it either. And then I'm sitting there, I'm thinking like, man, the last time I did this, I shot a bird and came home. Like, why am I doing this? I could be all fishing. Yeah. And that's probably not the best memory you want to associate with it. You know, hang on one second. I have to let Gordy in the bedroom. So he's quiet. Okay. All right. No problem. All the fun parts of owning bird dogs. Oh, she's even giving him her his bed. She loves him so much. She even gave Gordy his bed back. Well, he's he not to... allowed on the bed bed. Well, now I feel like you just mistreat your dog. I know. <laughs> I know. So, I guarantee uh... you mine right now is curled up in my spot on my pillow pushing the covers half down in this tiny little ball, guaranteed. Yeah, but Pippa doesn't shed, does she? Not very much, no. Yeah. Yeah. Trust me, we'd need another five hours for the debate of having dogs on the furniture. So <laughs> I'm just going to spare everybody my woes of my marriage. <laughs> <laughs> See, ours um, is simple. Dogs lot on the bed, nothing else. There you go. So when you work hunting turkeys could you use those read calls or whatever they are i use i use a read call still i always have one in my deer hunting stuff always because i can make a mean predator squeal on it so i always keep that on me as a predator call in case i see a coyote because every time i'm if i'm deer hunting and i see a coyote that deer hunt just turned to a coyote hunt like there's no doubt in my mind so i always keep a mouth call on me i also keep a howler on me as well Cause that way there, if it gets real dark and I've had a lot of deer like right on top of me and they're not scooting away, I'll make some coyote howls, which normally kick them out of there. And then I can sure. sneak on out, but I keep a mouth call. I, I still practice with it. Yeah, that is, um, I cannot master that. In fact, every time I try to use the mouth read, I just feel like I'm choking and gurgling and it's just, and I try, like I'll drive around for work going to meetings and I'll put this stupid thing in my mouth and I just cannot get it. So I bought one of the box slate calls this year. I think I'm going to try that. And I have turkeys in my neighborhood. So sometimes I go outside in town and I just call to them. I mean, I find a box call relatively easily easy. I do have a slate call, which I used to practice quite a bit on when I was actually enjoyed turkey hunting. Um, which that took a lot more work for me to pick up. The mouth sure. call is not too bad. Have you tried different mouth calls though? Because there are oh, different sizes. You I, know have. I have tried them and I just, I can't roll my R's. I don't know what it is, but I just, I'm, I'm not successful with them at all. And in fact, it's almost like a safety hazard because I just feel like I'm going to choke sometimes. You're better off using what you feel confident in. And that goes with anything. I mean, if you don't feel confident in it, it you're just going to struggle to use it. It's it's no different than your favorite fishing, not even your favorite fishing lure, but your high confidence baits. Like when you're going to go out and you want to get bit, you know what confidence bait you're going to throw. It's the same thing here. I mean, why would you choose a call that you don't feel confident in and you think you're actually going to commit suicide using? Right. <laughs> I actually turkey hunt with a good friend of mine, Sonia. Her and her husband um, have some land down in Lafayette area, Lafayette County. And 
So they're, I'm very blessed to be able to go hunt their land with them. And it's quality bonding time with my friend. Sure. She's way better at turkey hunting than I am. So she usually does all the calling and we'll see. That's, we get that's, one awesome. See, that's the best way to do it. I mean, find someone who's good at calling and be like, Hey, come turkey hunting with me. Cause the, the crazy thing I have found from the people I know that do turkey hunt quite a bit, they seriously enjoy turkey hunting to the, like they enjoy it's kind of like me with ducks. I mean, they enjoy working that bird into range with a call, whether they harvest it or not. And that's, I mean, a lot of times it's that bringing the bird in that is their success more than pulling the trigger. I know yeah. quite a few people that are great callers that I could probably talk to them and be like, hey, can you come call for me? And they would jump at the opportunity. They would jump yeah. at because they just want to be there to share the experience and to like, hey, they want to call that bird in. Like to them, that, that's the challenge. Yeah, I think I just, you know, it's just another thing to hunt around here. And gosh, there's an abundance of them. So I do feel like, actually, this is really stupid, but I started hunting turkeys because, like I said, I have them in my neighborhood right in Madison. And a few years ago, they were mating and they always were pretty nice to me. But not this year that they chased me and <laughs> Erica was out there with the pots and pans trying to scare them away. So I just kind of figured, you know, we need to do some herd control. And is this the year that you got chased into your truck and wouldn't get out of your truck? Right. right. <laughs> so yeah, it's amazing. The animals I have seen living in Madison, like I have seen, a, I, I saw a lynx one year. Um, That's which pretty crazy. That was just phenomenal to see that. It was laying in my neighbor's bush. It was like May 20th. I remember it because I was mowing the lawn and my dog started going crazy. And I looked over and I was like, well, that's not a baby coyote. And it's really the ugliest cat I've ever seen. And their ears, <laughs> their ears are just so unique. And their face is just, um, people say it's nostalgic, but I think it's more creepy than anything. Um, but it was, it was cool. That's cool. Um, I've seen a bobcat. I've seen a couple of bobcat. I'm thankful I've never wound up into seeing a mountain lion because that's just nothing I want to come face to face to. Like, but then at the same point, I'd rather see it if it's there rather than it just stalking me. I don't like being. I don't like being prey. I'm a predator. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Speaking of that, this is this is my question for you for the night. What's the scariest thing that has ever happened to you? like whether hunting or fishing related. Oh boy, scariest thing. That would probably be hunting ducks on the Horicon Marsh. And I think I might've told this story on here before, maybe. I didn't tell it to you though. So we went out, New, uh, not New Year's Eve, um, Black Friday, day after Thanksgiving. And when we launched, I think it was negative something. It was negative something degrees. It wasn't even above freezing. And at that point at the time, I had a 14 or 15 foot Grumman uh, John boat with a 25 horse mud motor that was really modified. I mean, it was far from stock. It had different heads, different carbs, custom exhaust. I mean, it ran great, but it's one of those modified motors where it's like, do you really stake your life on this motor? Do you know what I mean? Because it's no longer stock. I mean, it ran great though. Um, so we You're go out. You're such the, a gearhead. Yeah, yeah, it happens. So we go out and we, we're running up the Rock River into Horicon Marsh. We went out of Greenhead Landing. 
and we hit that first bay. I can't remember the name of the bay, and it was ice. I'm like, oh, wait. The whole marsh was locked up. So we went through, and we broke ice for, I don't know, a few hundred yards, maybe a quarter of a mile. And I'm like, let's just shut her down. Let's just, I just, let's just break it apart here. We'll set our decoys here and see if there's any birds even here at this point. So I ran a bunch of big circles, busted out a huge oil with the ice. We set our decoys. We tucked in. We got the blind, and we saw one other mud boat go out. And then we waited and we waited and it never got above zero and it was cold. It was really cold. And that other mud boat went back and I'm like, all right, it's time to go. Like it's, it's time to get out of here. So we start taking the decoys out. They're all frozen in. So wow. Chad, Chad's up there beating them out with an oar, literally with an oar beating these decoys out. We get the whole boat loaded up, everything piled in and I go to take off and the boat won't play out. Like the boat will not get on plane. The motor's just like, just like struggling. And this motor was a torque monster. Like I'm like, Oh, what is going on here? And I mean, I didn't have a floor or anything in that boat. So I know we weren't taking on water. I'm like, but I couldn't get on plane. And we're breaking back through ice that's formed again. And we finally hit a curve in the river and I'm able to get on plane. I'm like, all right, there we go. We get back to the launch. And when we're at the launch, we go and pull the boat on the trailer. And you just hear this like creaking sound. When we get the boat off, we're actually able to look at it. They're right at the water line, there's like three eighths to half inch of ice all the way around the boat. Wow. So that's probably the scariest because if that motor didn't start, the cell phone coverage back then in that marsh, I mean, this was 12 years ago at least, was so shady. Like, I don't think we even had cell phone coverage at all. I didn't have a marine radio, and I don't even know if anybody out there would have had one that was listening. Sure. Like, we did not have the safety equipment needed to not leave that day. Like we didn't have the clothing. We didn't have the, we could have started a fire if we could have, but I mean, like we had, if we, if that motor didn't start, we were done. That's probably the scariest thing I've been in just from the fact, like I was, we were so ill prepared for something like that. Sure. But just think of now everything you do and how much more, you can anticipate and you probably over prepare now, but better. Safe I do. Than sorry. You know? So I would say that's, that's gotta be the scariest moment I've had in the woods. I can't really think I've, it's not, I've never knock on wood fallen out of a tree stand. Uh, um, anything like that. I mean, I've never had a hunting accident like that. Um, sure. I would probably say that hunt because looking back now, and even when we got off, the water. We all kind of looked at each other. It was Steve, you know, Steve. So it was Steve, yeah. Chad and I, and we all kind of looked at each other. Like, what were we thinking? Sure. Like we knew it when we got off the water, like this could have gone bad. Yeah. That's uh, another reason not to duck hunt, Leanne. Thanks. Ah, but then you don't have good stories. I mean, every, yeah. all, a lot of stories start with grouse camp or we were out duck hunting. Right. Right. Yeah. I remember as a kid just, well, fishing. I don't know. I I cannot be the only one who thinks this all the time, but whether I'm pulling up my anchor or, you know, my rods, my hook stuck on something, I'm always petrified. I'm pulling up the next dead damn body. I swear <laughs> it is so ridiculous, but I'm always like, oh my gosh, please don't be a body. <laughs> that is hilarious. See, now that just tells me you need better electronics because then you can spot the body beforehand and now I know not where to throw your anchor. 
Oh, that's true. All these new <laughs> electronics. I only use my electronics for waypoints to tell me where the fish aren't, actually. <laughs> that's why they give you 5,000 of them. It's not to mark 5,000 good spots. It's for all those shit spots. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, yeah. No, I've always... um. Yeah, there's... I do a lot of river fishing for fun. I love, even though I have a boat, I love shore fishing and just walking along. And I think some of the scariest fishing experiences for me is just um, being somebody who does not have children herself, but always keeping an eye on everybody else's kids because they think it's cool to play by the river. Sure. Um, and parents just, man, that just, that ruin. I hate to say it, unless they're with me, it, it ruins my day because I cannot relax when they're close to the shore like that. I can get that. I mean, if that's a safety thing for you, that's uh, like, I get it completely. And it gives you anxiety because there, you don't, and you're right, you don't have kids. It's not, I don't have kids either. So I'm not going to say they're not parenting correctly, right? But at the same time, I mean, if that situation gives you anxiety because you're afraid you're going to have to go in and rescue that child because yeah. you feel like you're paying more attention to the situation at hand and you might know more of the dangers of the river than just a random family that comes up to hang out by the shore one day when we're in the rivers, we're fishing the rivers, we understand how a river works with undercurrent and everything else. I can completely understand why you get anxiety and, and not be able to relax. Yeah. You know, and I shouldn't say that it's always anxiety because a lot of times I will kind of, you know, you don't want to be a creeper either. Like right. you, got, you got that fine line of, ooh, this lady's fishing and now she's talking to my child. Right. It sucks that, you know, the world has to be that way. But usually if the kid's interested in fishing or has a fishing pole, then I love to help them. And it's sure. always, I always think it's so cute when parents who really don't fish much are trying to get their kid out there and fish and they have like 20 pounds of lead on their pole for a panfish um, and they're like well, how come how come he's not catching anything but you're catching them left and right and i'm like it's the kiss method keep it simple you know and it's absolutely so usually then i re-rig their pole and help them catch some fish or i just hand over mine because um the the best way to get a kid disinterested is not to catch anything. I would agree completely with that. That goes with hunting too. I mean, if you can't, I mean, hunting's even less of a guarantee, but if you can't set them up for success the best you possibly can, it's hard to keep them interested. Yeah. Yeah. I think with fishing, um, gosh, I just, when I was a little girl, um, my mom was a single parent, so it was, and grandma helped a lot too. I, I talked about them in the last right. session, but um, fishing was a cheap form of entertainment and food for us. Sure. I mean, every, my mom tells me stories of them bringing the pack and play down to the shoreline and having us kids in there. And uh, I just remember some of the places we would go, like with the, it was almost like quicksand. Um, and we'd have like, six bobbers in the tree one sister would be looking for crayfish and the other one would be like crying because she wants to go and, <laughs> and here i was just i just loved it from the time i learned how to fish and just uh for some reason just it's i mean as much as i love all the other things i do fishing is my passion 
and you do quite a bit of fishing. I mean, you do you you play in the fly angling world. I mean, you're a fly angler. Um, yeah. You kayak fish. I mean, you're rocking an old town whoa, topwater, correct? Yeah, sportsman or yeah, it's a pedal kayak, pedal so fishing. Yep. So you got the old town there. You got you you got a Lund. Is that what you have for a boat? Yes. Did you get your little fancy Lund? I got my twenty year old Lund Pro Angler Tiller, and it's perfect. Not so, I mean, many people, and it, and I say people because it's not just women. Just people in general don't really have a lot of tiller boat, boats. Sure. Everyone likes the steering co column and everything like that. And I just love having the space to be able to move around. A tiller gives you a lot more space. I will absolutely agree with that. I, I've enjoyed both. I've owned plenty of both over my time. Currently, I got the bass boat right now along with my kayak. Um Council's nice. I mean, there's a good chance I'll wind up back into a tiller because if I sell the, the glass boat to probably get back to an aluminum boat, just to kind of open up some more opportunities, duck hunting to take mm -hmm. people I know with that might not want to go if they weren't in a boat. Um, I'll go back to a tiller for a duck boat or like a duck slash sure. fishing boat, something like that, a river boat that we can play on. Cause I know that's one thing my wife really didn't realize when I bought my bass boat that we wouldn't be on the Wisconsin river playing. Cause it's so shallow and so sandy. I'm like, ah, it's just, that's not the right boat for it. So she was a little disappointed. So the next sure. boat we'll be able to do will be less tournament boat, more all around everything I do boat. Yeah. The speed that some of those bass boats goes, just, oh my gosh, it petrifies me. I'm just like, no thanks. I do not need to go 80 miles an hour in a bass boat. Ah, just hold on. You'll be fine. <laughs> I just wonder how good of fishermen you all are that you got to drive that fast. Like, really? You're, there's a whole lake. You, and I know my friends who are going to watch this, they're going to be like, you just totally dissed bass fishermen. I just don't get it. I really don't understand. So what if someone gets to the other spot? Karma's good. Go to the next one. But that's I just, I mean, it, it, it I mean, if you're fishing a tournament, getting to the spot where you found the biggest fish and you're most comfortable with is everything. Because that's also confidence, too. If, yeah. you, if you get a bad, like, launch position or, like, even in kayak tournaments, I mean, like, if, if you have a spot picked out and you know you got to get there first, if you don't get there first. A lot of times that can throw your confidence so hard. Sure. You even will struggle at your second and third spots because it's really hard to shake that off mentally because now every time you don't catch a fish, you're thinking back, if I would have got there first, if I could have been faster, if I could have done this slightly different. I mean, it's really hard to shake that off mentally and bass fishing tournaments is more of a mental game than it is sure. anything else. I can respect that. I can. I just am. I don't. I just have had really good luck sometimes just letting it roll off my shoulders and rolling with it. See, you might be a better tournament anger just because of that, because you can just take it and be like, yep, whatever. They're there first. I'll go over here and catch my fish. I'm fine. Well, I would have to use my wayfinder to actually have spots where fish are. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, see, that's just it. You're not trying to run two spots. You're trying to run away from your spots. That's why it doesn't matter. Right. But I did catch a 20-inch, six-pound smallmouth bass last year, so that was pretty cool. That's a solid smallie. I mean, there is no one that can say, like, that's not just a giant fish. Yeah. 
or it might have been a large mouth. I can't really remember, but I think we have a picture of it. All I know is it was still big in the fish world, in the bass I world. I don't think I have a picture of you with that bass, to be honest. I've got a picture of you with a gorgeous northern, though. Oh, no, that's a muskie, I think. Is it a muskie? Yeah. You are correct. It is a muskie. If I make it a bigger picture, that helps. Yeah, Mus that was an inadvertent ice fishing catch um, by the time. By the time we got that thing in, and it was like 15 below that day, my hands were so freezing that it was a quick picture, and we didn't even measure it because I was like, this thing, you can't fish for them. You know, Granny, right. you can bring them in if they inadvertently bite, but the right, point is to get them back in without, you know, even getting any snow on them or anything. Right. Absolutely. I mean, that's, I mean, fish handling is key, especially with these bigger fish, these trophy fish. I mean, fish handling should be taken seriously for all species. Yeah. Muskie can be very, can be more vulnerable. That has been proven. Um, so, I mean, you're absolutely right that, and if it's out of season and it's a bycatch, then it is a quick picture back in the hole type of deal. Yeah. It's so funny because I will fish for muskies every once in a while, but, um, Man, the fish of like 10,000 casts and throwing those big lures. My shoulders are usually shot by by a half a day of doing that. I mean, I enjoy it and it's fun, but I would much rather fish for panfish, like on my fly rod with poppers. Sure. Uh, I've had days where I've caught in so many beautiful panfish that I actually have to switch it up and start casting left-handed because it's, <laughs> I just get tired. <laughs> nice subtle brag. I like that. That I mean, that's one of the better subtle brags I've heard lately. Hey. You know, I get so tired with my right hand, my arm pan fishing. I need to use my left hand. So not only are you bragging, you're catching so many fish. You're telling all these other fly fishermen, including myself, like I can do it with my left hand along with my right hand. Well, poppers are pretty fun. And that's <laughs> honestly, that's how I got into fly fishing because I would go fishing and there'd be these older gentlemen just out fishing the daylights out of me. And it was simply because of how smooth a fly rod can land. And sure. Just, I realized how much like that keeping it simple methodology works, like just light done right. And you're perfect. So, but actually the fishing skills come from my mom. She outfishes me every time. So, and you fish. I mean, you fish all seasons. I mean, you fish fly, you fish boat, you fish, and then I know you do quite a bit of hard water fishing. I mean, you're on the ice quite a bit. Yeah, ice fishing. Um, so a few years ago, I would say probably four years ago, I had a really nice um, 18 foot Alumacraft Navigator walleye fishing boat, pretty much a nice deep V. Um, but I work in an in industry where um, some years you're so busy that you just, it's hard to find the time to get out there and have fun. Um, sure. But it's also a little bit of who I am. I, you know, I don't half-ass anything. So if work is calling, that's, that takes precedence over having fun. Right. So I felt really guilty for having this beautiful boat and not really using it a lot. I mean, it had a beautiful 115 Yamaha on it, and I just, it sat in my driveway. So I ended up putting it on Walleye Central, 
and I, there was a lot of people who wanted it, but one guy just, uh, it just worked out. I held on to it for him. He was from Minnesota and him and his wife came and they, they loved it. Well, two years later, they reached out to me because someone in his family was starting an ice fishing ice rod company. Okay. Um, and they knew that I loved to fish and they kind of figured, well, gee, she's in Wisconsin. She's got to ice fish. So right, they, right. they had asked me if I wanted to join their pro staff team. And um, at that time, I was like, sure, why not? You know, I was more of a casual fish ice fisherman at that time. Um, but once you start getting better fishing rods and realize that, you know, you probably could have caught a lot more fish if you had right. decent I mean, geez, I, I spend enough on open water. Why wouldn't I have a decent rod for ice fishing? Sure. You know? Well, now I have like eight decent rods for ice fishing. <laughs> and that company is Mad Duck Ice Rods. So it's um, it's interesting because I, as much as I don't duck hunt, I re represent a company that based their handle off of a mallard's bill. So just um, Josh Stanek, who was building the company, he just had had this high school project years ago and made this awesomely ergonomically correct polyurethane handle that is super sensitive and pairs it with God knows how many different blanks. And it's phenomenal. I will so, say I've, I've used a lot of different ice fishing rods. And of course, knowing you, I own a ghost. Um, the sensitivity on his blank is blank is phenomenal. I mean, it's a noodle rod for anybody, any of the ice fishermen out there. It's definitely like a noodle rod, but I mean, the sensitivity on this thing is phenomenal. It's one of the best rods I've had in my hand. I mean, yeah. you do. I mean, the handle is a little off putting to look at. Like it just is so unique. I mean, it like the colors are great. Like the swirls, like, and even the solid colors, they're great. And I don't mean off putting in a bad way, but if you look at the handle, you're like, how is this going to be comfortable until you actually use it? And then it's like, like this works, like this actually works. Yeah. Until some fool from Madison posts some YouTube videos of like the wrist setter and goes all <laughs> crazy <laughs> online. That was so funny. Cause everybody was giving me crap about these rods after that. <laughs> but no, they're just, um, in fact, I'll even use them in my kayak because it's the perfect jigging rod. Um, sure. Having a nice ice fishing rod out there, like the ghost blank, it's it's really a panfish rod, but if you get a northern on, it's got enough backbone. And, um, you know, it's amazing with fishing. And I know people will just say, well, you're just so crazy about it, but it's amazing all the different types of rods you can use. Um, oh, absolutely. And the impact, like look at, the 20 rods you have sitting behind you. Um, There's only a couple. There might yeah. be more than 20. Well, I mean, like this, like, uh, let's go like what, like, like right here is my normal bass rods. Then we get into Sam. Oh, we got my panfish rods right here. That's those three. Then we get into my salmon trolling rods. We have loner bass rods and we get into my musky rods. And then farther back is all of my um, like rods growing up. But there's my, oh, there's my walleye rods. I forgot my walleye rods. The white rod I bought in Florida for a really cheap saltwater rod. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Oh, there's two more bass rods hanging out back there as well. Those are my punch-in and A-rig rods. 
So I can't wait for the wives <laughs> to like do their video of, well, this is my coach person. It's for these <laughs> events. And this is my Kate Spade. And it's for this. You know, I'm trying to think what other, it's, I can only compare it to different size purses that women have to have or, you know, shoes. different types of lipstick. It's just, what about a, shoes? it's a necessity, folks. <laughs> it is a necessity. I mean, it's it's no different than shoes. Not one shoe fits every occasion. Not one fishing rod works for every technique. Well, and it's a lot like golfing. I mean, you have like 13 clubs to your set. You know, each one does something different. Right, exactly. Is And it's best for it. So I feel like I should really start taking this mentality with shotguns. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, I need this shotgun for this. I need this shotgun for that. I could use that shotgun. I could use this one too. <laughs> yeah, if only everything was available, right? Yeah. There's I mean, the, having the demand on the outdoor industry is probably a good thing because of how many people have got outside. Yeah. It's also hard though, because it's so hard to get new things right now. I'm it's gonna settle back down. It will. I mean, I just kind of look at it and think about all the tax dollars because of the tax. I can't remember the name of the program, but like guns and that are taxed higher. And that money goes right back into like habitat and right back into like wildlife that goes all the way back from Mr. The Theodore Roosevelt's time. He started sure. that program. So I just think about all these extra tax dollars. And even if people stop hunting or fishing after this one COVID thing, so last summer, and if they continue on in this summer, which I hope they do, but even if they don't, I just kind of think of like all this extra money that was funneled into yeah. what we enjoy and all the extra license sales too, between hunting license and fishing license. I mean, all of this was funneled in in a drastic amount for that because of COVID shutting everything else down, which people were used to. It, it's just nice to get that like extra boost to what we love so much. No, I definitely agree. I mean, it's, uh, there's, you can buy a lot of things out there that don't have any resale value and then you can invest. That's the word I like to use because it usually justifies and supports every case I have for buying something new. Sure. You, you can invest in a new fishing pole or, you know, a new gun or something like that. And you can use it a few years and you can turn around and, and sometimes make money off of it, you know? So you can't really be just contributing in this way with your dollars. Right. Absolutely. The amount of money you save, like I'm really, really good at supporting my case. Everybody. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you're welcome because the tips I'm going to tell you are going to do tons of favors for you. No, but if you think about it, you know, whether you go out bowling or if you're going to a festival or a music jam or whatever, it's nothing to spend a hundred bucks a weekend or a weekend evening with your spouse going out and having fun. You can do these things and yes, you have to fork out a little money up front, but the value is tenfold down the road, depending on how much you use it. Right. It all comes down to how much you use it. I mean, if you're going to focus on it, I mean, that's why I've kind of, that's why I didn't bow hunt much last year because I focused on other things. Um, if you focus, you can definitely get a return on investment, not in a, not in an actual financial sense. Like you're not going to get great return on, but in an emotional sense, in a like mental health sense, if you're passionate about it and you can go out in the woods or go out on the water 
and de-stress from your day at work and come home in a better mental place, you absolutely get a return on that investment. Yeah. And just the, the quality time that you spend with the people doing it. So my mom lives about a block away from me. She lives on Lake Monona actually. And it's so awesome because everybody at her apartment building thinks I'm like the best daughter in the world. And I visit my mom all the time. I'm just <laughs> sweetly aunts here again. And they see us out fishing. Well, it's like, it's the perfect combination because I get to spend quality time with my mom and we both love fishing. You know, right. it's just, it's, it builds so many memories and it provides just tons of time doing things that that you're passionate about with someone you care about, you know, like even Regina, at least she'll go on the boat with you and read a book and she'll take a good picture of you when you finally land a big fish. Oh, she loves coming out on the boat. I mean, cause a lot of, I mean, she's not a bit, she's not big into fishing. She'll fish occasionally. Um, I don't think we even got her a license last year because she just wasn't that interested. But she came out on the boat quite a bit. And we do a lot lot of evening fishing, which I'm good with because I love chasing that evening bite. But then we'll but then we'll eventually we'll I'll shut her down and then we'll just hang out and float and we'll watch the sunset. Yeah. So I mean we the do a lot of sunsets are perfect. Right. So we'll do that. We'll hang out on the boat. She likes just to hang out on the boat. So that works out great for us. It's simple compared to the kayaks. I mean, I love kayaks. I love everything about kayaks. And we do a lot of kayaking. We do a lot of river trips. I do a lot of kayak fishing. We, I mean, as every time we haul the camper anywhere, we're taking our kayaks. But yeah. it's, it's easy just to jump in the boat after work and go out for a couple of hours. All my tackles in it, all my rods in it. There's no loading or unloading like the kayaks. I mean, I throw it on and off the trailer. It takes me five minutes to wipe the glass down afterwards with some lucas oil spray cleaner because i'm a fan of that the quick mist um i wipe the boat down after and it's done i mean i put it back in my garage and there's nothing left i can be i can be out of my house in five minutes and it's 10 minutes at the ramp when i'm done and my whole boat's wiped down clean ready to get put back inside whereas yeah. with kayaks it's it's a solid 30 to 40 minutes at the ramp i know we uh we just took my kayak down because I had it up on like a kayak hoist. Sure. Um, spring cleaning. I was putting away the ice fishing stuff and getting ready for spring. And yeah, that's the only thing is, you know, the, the amount of strength you need sometimes to load and unload that kind of stuff. And uh, that's, that's the only downfall to it all. Like I just, am, I'm not as strong all the time, but I get out there and, you know, it doesn't have to look pretty, folks. Just get it out there. <laughs> Some of the, I, my best days are just going to the boat launch. I'll take lunch over there and I just watch people launch boats. It's so much fun. <laughs> well, people watching is always a good time. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. But, I mean, it's just nice to be out on the water. I mean, do you still have two kayaks? Does Leanne still kayak? Or does Leanne, does, does your wife Erica still kayak as well? Or? Yeah, she has one too. And in fact, that's kind of interesting. She actually really has gotten into fishing. She likes it. Um, nice. She doesn't like ice fishing so much, but it's it's so funny to watch somebody who thought they were going to hate something and see how quick she has picked it up. Like she's just a natural. Nice. Um, yeah, like she, she doesn't cast it in the trees still. I mean, I probably get more rat's nests than she does. 
you know, and she just, um, there's some people who are, who are just really, they're, they just have a skill for it. They have the feel down. Sure. And they have patience. That's the thing between her and I is like, I'm trying to fish with three rods and figure it out and, you know, keep my mind as distracted as possible. Meanwhile, I'm running over to by her to take off her fish every 10 seconds. <laughs> it's almost like fishing with a kid. See, she's got to get to the point where she can take off her own fish. Yeah, that'll come. Oh, she's, it will. She's getting pretty. I mean, she'll put her own leech on now, so that's getting better. But um, there's just, you know, there's so, it's hard to find things that you can do together as couples where you both actually are going to enjoy it. It is. Um, which is why I'm really super thankful and I cross my fingers that she finally, I think what happened is she finally realized like come hell or high water, my wife is not giving up fishing. So <laughs> I'm going to have to suck it up and I'm going to have to learn to like it. Sure. Um, it's hard to find those things that everyone enjoys. I mean, fishing is not one for my wife and I, but I enjoy kayaking. Even right. without the fishing aspect, I enjoy just floating down a river, paddling, paddling. As long as it's a good paddling kayak that I can keep up, because all of them are in wreck boats. They're in Loons and Sorrentos, right. and, and they're all in sit inside wreck boats. So I mean, that was a big thing. Like when I got my new canoe pursuit, I'm like, this thing's fast, and and I'm a strong paddler. I have a good paddle, and on a wreck paddle, I can keep up with them. I'm like, this is what I'm talking about. So, I mean, at that point, it got great because now I could enjoy a wreck paddle because I didn't feel like I was constantly having to work so hard because I had a fast kayak. Right. But, I mean, there's that. I mean, we have cross-country skiing. We do some biking together. But, I mean, it is really hard to find something that we both truly enjoy. She's yep. a, she's a cross-country ski maniac. Like, she will she go is. every single night if she can. And I join her two to three times a week. I, I enjoy cross-country skiing, but I wouldn't say I'm passionate about it. I go with her because I know she enjoys it. I know she enjoys my company. And I enjoy the workout because I needed to lose like 15 pounds of COVID weight, which I've done. It was 16 pounds when I weighed it on Saturday. I'm hey, not stopping. I'm going to keep going. But I got my first part of my goal done. Put it that uh -huh. way. Um, well, Erica loves to run, which is like that word run is just, it's never been really a part of my vocabulary. Right. It's like, um, what are you running from? So every time, like, like every time, one, one time when I did the crazy legs with her, oh my gosh, I swear, like there's things that you can do for your spouse. And there, there are things that I can't do for my spouse and running is one of them. Um, I, I still got to figure out what I can do to pay her back though for actually getting you know acting like she likes fishing and sure she's, she's fun like I, I love it we'll go to like fleet farm or wherever and she actually kind of likes looking at the baits and just you know speaking of baits we got to talk about favorite baits here before we end this episode because I'm pretty sure that's the only reason people wanted to listen to this one no, this one was all about spring. This was about mushrooms. This was about turkey. This was about rolling into fish and Leanne about how she does pretty much everything, including fishing. I mean, we can roll into favorite baits. We got about five, 10 minutes left if you want to, or we can finish it off. It doesn't matter to me. Yeah. Let's just quick talk a little bit about baits. Are we talking ice? Are we talking open no, water? Let's talk the season coming up here, spring, some 
So what are you? So are you asking me? Are you asking me what I'm going to be throwing, or are you telling me what I should be throwing? What's no. what's going on here? Well, I'm always I'm always interested to hear your take on it. Like you said, you have confidence baits. Sure. Um, you know, I my confidence bait in the spring is like a Texas rigged wacky worm. All um, right. Sure. Um, at least for a bass, anyways. And I mean, I love it when it gets a little bit warmer and topwaters are hitting and frogging and things like that. And I mean, I am a fly fisherwoman, so I'm a little passionate about. <laughs> panfish poppers i mean i can't get enough of those so i'm going to go out of the gate for cold water um if they're starting to stage up for the first if they're starting to stage for spawn i'm going to a jerk bait or a lipless crankbait and if i can find dead laid down grass and rip a jerk bait or a lipless crank through it game on um if i can find some emergent grass i'll grab a chatterbait as well i mean absolutely i mean i i I like a flashy, loud lure because I want to get. I'm, I'm looking for more of a reaction bite. I feel than more of a. Um, I'm a hungry bite, to be sure. honest. Um, so chatter baits are awesome. I love those. I agree. I, I throw a chatter bait year round, not year round, but I throw a chatter bait throughout the whole open water season. I mean, it's one of my key search baits. Even in the middle of summer, yeah. I'll be. You'll see me ripping it through reeds in eight foot of water. I mean, yeah. So that's for sure. I'll also break, I mean, for the deep water, when there's stars still deep, I mean, drop shot, you'll see me throw a drop shot. I am excited to try. I picked up a handful of GT um, bait balls. So it's like a small A, like A bait. So it's like, it's one hook, three dummies and a spinner in the middle. So it's kind of like your big Alabama rigs, which have like five hooks, but we can't sure. have that in Wisconsin. We can only have three um, so I liked these little GT search baits because I thought that would be kind of these GT bait balls. So I'm excited to try those this spring. I've never tried that style, but I know it can hammer on them. I think that's cool that you like the lipless crankbaits. Do you ever oh, yeah. you gotta catch some walleyes here and there with those too? Nope, never. I can't think of the time I've ever caught a walleye, but I'm normally ripping those shallow, to be honest. I mean, oh sure. I, I'm not ripping the lipless crankbaits in 15 to 20 feet of water. I'm doing that in five to 10 and I'm trying to find that old grass and rip it through it. That's interesting. I have never really tried that technique for bass. Oh, like yeah. I've always been using plastics and. Oh, don't get me wrong. I mean, once the water warms up a little bit, once we get like to the spawn, I'm definitely to pat plastics. Um, mm -hmm. Pink trick worms, wackies, um, senkos, yum dingers, all of that stuff, absolutely. And then moving forward through um, summer, I mean, a wacky rig, you'll always find a wacky on my rod. I mean, right. deep water, I'm a huge Neko guy. I love it. And I, I'll use the same rod for both, and I'll rig them with O-rings so I can just switch rate, just switch the um, the rigged um, senko back and forth. And I'm a huge yum dinger fan. I am. Watermelon sure. red flank. So, I mean, you will see on my deck – I got my favorite rod right here. Um, I'll have that with a with a I don't know a one a one or a two Neko hook, and I'll either switch it from a weightless Wackley or to a weighted Neko rig, and I'll just go and I'll just switch the switch it back and forth depending on what I'm fishing. If I'm going deep or if I'm going shallow under docks, you'll see me skipping that. Sure. So a lot of people are tossing, like, it seems like over the last couple of years, and I don't even know what they're called. That's how good of a fisherwoman I am. It's the jig with the hair or the frillies on it. And oh, then a, so maybe they put plastic on it. I don't oh, know. Yeah. 
I'm a huge jig person. I mean, I've got, I'm a big fan of the jig. That's a huge confidence bait for me, for all mom. Swim jigs, especially, I'm a big swim jig fan. I do have some punching ones as well, but I mean, you will see a swim jig rigged up on my boat at all times. And you'll see me skipping a jig under docks quite often as soon as I feel like they're up there. Well, that's because you know how to use a bait caster really good. We might have to have a fly rod versus bait caster competition because I'm still a rookie on the bait caster. If you can skip a Clouser minnow under a dock, I'll be impressed. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen, but I am pretty, um, I'm pretty happy with the bait casters so far. Um, I would like last year was the summer of like rats nests, right. And just kind of figuring it out, but I'm pretty, pretty excited with it. And we'll have to get you out on the boat. I'll show you some different bass techniques. You can show me some different pan fish on the fly rod. I'll bring my five weight fly rod. You bring you bring your fly rod, your bass rods, and we'll 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 share some experiences. We'll get you. I'll I'll show you how I jig fish. I'll show you where I use some different techniques, and you can show me your, and you can tie up some poppers for me. That would be fun. So, well, it it's already been an hour. Like it's just like time flies when we're having fun. Well, they said just to talk to you as if you're my friend, which is pretty easy to do, right? I know it is. I mean, it's like. It's not an interview. <laughs> well, at least it's um early in the season because you're not going to get many opportunities where you get me to come and do a podcast. I'm going to be fishing. That is true. That is true. Any shout outs you want to give? You want to shout out your social media again so anyone can find you? Any sponsors? Anything like that? Um. Yeah, I would like to thank Mad Duck Ice Rods again just for giving me an opportunity a few years back, taking a chance on a Wisconsin gal and um, teaching me what I've been missing, ice fishing. Right. And then, uh, gosh, I don't even know my, this is, I'm bad. I don't even know my Instagram account offhand. I think it's like got dibs. I don't even know. I'll, so, I'm going to look it up for you because that's how much, well, let's not start playing random videos here. This thing could really go sideways. <laughs> This is why I don't have a lot of sponsors because I'm not the best at, I just don't right. do a lot of social media stuff right now. So Instagram is got dibs. You are correct. It's G O T D I B Z. See, my memory isn't that bad. No, it's um, not. But could you have spelled it? Yes. I could have. <laughs> I could have. Um, yeah. And just a shout out to, again, my mom and my grandma and my family for getting me kind of hooked on all of this, no pun intended, but it's, uh, it's, I think been very productive and good for me as a person. And I'm going to keep at it. Thanks to Brad for having me as a guest tonight. And I'm thankful for all of our listeners and people who hopefully maybe want to go out and give fishing or morale hunting or whatever you want a chance out there. Absolutely. We'll have to pay attention on Instagram and to Facebook. Make sure if there's any comments, I can direct them your way. Definitely. All right, everyone. Have a great night. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, This was part two. Next week or two weeks from now, we'll have another episode. No idea who that will be yet, but hey, we'll have fun anyways. As always, have a great night. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle and Fin. 
Don't forget to go check out our website at Paddle, the letter N, and Finn.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle and Finn. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at Paddle, the letter N, and Finn at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle and Finn on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler. The Angler button and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures, located in Northern Illinois, for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com.